You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love her. Brown skin, love her. Brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the culture change agent. You already know on this show, we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generational leaders. And you already know, man, I got a show for you today. First and foremost, before I begin, I got a couple public service announcements. Yo, shout out to all of y'all. Y'all show crazy love the first episode of season six. I'm talking about a couple grand downloads in the bag, man. I, I've been reading your post. I've been reading Instagram DMs. Y'all been sliding DMs, showing all this love, man. The emails, the text messages, the phone calls. I appreciate it, man. Shout out to Dormtainment once again, man. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary. It's crazy, man. That's what consistency does for you. That's what it does. But today... Not per normal. I don't got a 10-minute intro for y'all. We're going to jump right into it, man. Uh, the only thing I got to say, yo, it is 10.55 p.m. Wednesday, and I'm doing, like, the intro before the intro, and I'm getting packed because I'm going to Miami from Thursday, this Thursday, to around next Monday. I'll be in Miami, man, at the Reach Millennial Conference doing our thing with my brothers and sisters from the Southside Church of Christ and fam. So we're going to be getting it in, man. I ain't going to be partaking in what them, uh, the spring breakers do, man. Nah, that, that ain't it. That ain't it. I'm about to be 30. I can't, I can't be out there with them boys like that. But, uh. Yeah, man, it's been a phenomenal week, man. Uh, I just want to definitely set a shout out. Definitely Malcolm, man. Thank you. Shout out to you, brother, for your prayers for my family. We're going through a couple of situations today right now. So for my prayer warriors right there, out there, rather, uh, please, please, please keep my family in your prayers. If you want to know names, uh, the name is the White Family in your prayers as we deal with some uh, a little bit of a rough patch right now, man. But um, that's all I got to say on that, man. I, I also want to let everybody know. I'm going to give y'all, I'm dropping an exclusive 2019 summer tour dates on this podcast right here. Charlotte, North Carolina, we coming June 1st. Atlanta, Georgia, June 8th. Washington, D.C., June 15th. Detroit, Michigan. Yep, I said it. We coming to Detroit, Michigan, June 22nd. Dallas, Texas, July 13th. Chicago, Illinois, July 20th. San Francisco, California, July 27th, Brooklyn, New York, August 3rd, New Orleans, August 10th, and we end it in my hometown, Doral, North Carolina, August 24th, man, so definitely when the tickets go on sale, y'all don't know, I'm about to drop a surprise on y'all, y'all might show up, your tickets might be free, who knows? It might be a dollar, who knows? It might be a thousand dollars, who knows, man? But all I know is the energy that's gonna be in the building, 
DJs, sound effects, the smoke. Y'all, y'all don't, y'all ain't ready, man. Y'all not, y'all not ready, man. This tour, so make sure you mark those dates. You need to be in the cities. In the cities. We're talking about a couple hundred folks at each and every tour stop. So make sure you remember Minority Trailblazer Tour. More concrete details on where you can purchase tickets, where you can find all the information will be online and all that good stuff, man. So I think that's all I really got for you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Ooh, April, April 20th, I believe. I believe it's like the third or fourth Saturday in April. I'm dropping my debut album, The Thrive Print Volume One. It's going to be on all platforms. Uh, yo, stream it, buy it, all that good stuff, man. It's going to be live content, no music with it, uh, full stories, not just little sound bites. It's going to be right from the core. When I tell you it's a classic, it is a classic. It is a classic. So make sure you mark your calendars right now for next month, April 20th. We drop in the Thrive Print Volume one and last announcement man yep 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 yes so if you knew this podcast you can't hear from mikhail you like bro who is this dude talking like that well hey welcome to the dungeon welcome to the lion's day this is what we do it's my platform i'm gonna talk my talk you feel me though <laughs> i'm playing though i ain't usually this aggressive it's like i'm this aggressive but uh uh next week i'll probably be launching uh over next month i think i'm debating either next month or next year I'm dropping content every single day. Not Gary V. Tal. I'm not telling you what you do, how to do it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm in the zone right now, man. I want to share a lot of stuff that I, I've been working on, I've been ideating on, and share a lot more, man. So look out for an upcoming announcement, man. I just need my real ones to ride with me and ride with me till the wheels fall off, man. So uh, that's all I really got, man. I don't got no special shout-outs right now. I'm going to jump into this bio, and then we're going to jump into this podcast. And when I tell you it's a legendary podcast, I repeat, it's a legendary podcast. You need to listen to every single second, minute. I'm coming up for people's necks this season, yo. And this this brother right here, man, phenomenal dude. And uh, let me jump into his bio. He is a 28-year-old Washington, D.C.-based writer, content creator, and entrepreneur. He's originally from Woodbridge, Virginia, home of Potomac Mills, and not much <laughs> and not much else worth speaking of. He finds therapy in the gym, and he likes his bourbon on the rocks, his playlist elite, and his freelance checks on time. In October 2018, he released his book, Keep It 100, a daily affirmation for millennials who are tired of being called millennials via Chicago-based, black woman-owned publishing house called 13th and Joan. As the book title would suggest, this is a radically different interpretation of affirmations than many would expect, full of blunt humor, ridiculous rap references, poignant vulnerability, and childlike sarcasm. Ooh, I know y'all like the way I said poignant. Yep, 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 yep. I hope y'all, many of y'all don't even know how to spell that word. And side note, I'm gonna be a personal co-sign on that book, Keep It 100. If you listen to the show, you need to go buy that book, support the brother, it's a real book. I'm, I'm saying that. Like, I'm, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid, it is. He, this brother found his gateway into creative community via his music discovery platform, Artistic Manifesto, which he ran for eight years. He personally interviewed the likes of Janae Co, Chuck D, Lupe Fiasco, and Fife Dog. I love saying Fife Dog. He shut down the site in February 2018 to focus on keeping 100 and other forms of content creation and entrepreneurship endeavors. He launched a Drake-themed brunch party event concept in D.C. called Views from the Grits with Britt Wright in 2016 that regularly attracts upwards of 400 attendees. And I will say, man, he is one of the preeminent 
preeminent social media creators in the black culture, man. This dude's a juggernaut. He's a beast. He's young. He's hungry. He's that dude. If you in Washington, D.C., all right, man? So without further ado, I would like to introduce my brother, Mikhail C. Clark, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast, man. Welcome to the show. My guy, thank you so much, man. I feel like a, a, a real life like trailblazer with this intro you just gave me. Thanks man. for having me. <laughs> no doubt, man. And as I told the audience before, we got connected and I think you talk about it. I think I've seen either you tweet about it or you wrote about it in your, I think one of the first 15 uh, pages of your book about cosigns, right? About how precious yeah. cosigns are. And this relationship started. Absolutely. Yeah, this relationship started because I believe the homegirl Chastity, shout out to Chastity. Shout out Chastity, man. Since forever. Since forever. And I probably, and, and, and if she listens to this podcast, I probably said, is that how you say her name, right? Yeah, Chastity. <laughs> All right, cool, because I'll be butchering cash names. But she retweeted something <laughs> something you had, and uh, it was your book. And I was like, yo, if Chastity and Chelsea Williams, too. Chelsea Williams, re- no, it was Chelsea mm-hmm. Williams first that retweeted it. And I was like, yo, I got I, I got to support my man because, and I want to say something real quick before we even get into it, and we're going to let the spirit go. Um, but this year, one of the main focuses that's been on my heart is over the last couple of years, I've always been a, a guy that I felt that I was, wasn't was selfish and I supported a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing I found out was this year, I didn't support people with my actions as much as I thought. Like, mm. there were some people in my space, in my community that were writing books, that were producing content of value that I could support and actually I could get something from but for some reason, mm-hmm. I would say I would double tap and I would like the pictures and I would comment on like, yo, keep going, keep thriving. But for some reason, I never, for, I, I, honestly, I didn't really buy their buy they stuff or support or buy their gear. And, and I'm not one of the people that just should buy gear just because it's because it's a black mm-hmm. owned business. But this is stuff that I probably could have benefited from, whether it be a coaching service, whether it be like a strategy session. These are people that I said, yo, that's dope, double tap and liking. And I, I didn't have a something in me. Stop me from just buying it, like purchasing something with my money. So yeah. a couple months ago, I said, yo, G, one, you always talk about you want to get out of finance. You want financial freedom. You want an overflow. You want a blessing. Mm. But real talk, you not really being a blessing to people around your age group that's doing some cool stuff that you could benefit from. You're not talking with mm-hmm. your money. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So now I have a, a, a concept of if I... Somebody co-signed you, and I know I respect Chelsea, and I respect Chaz, and I know they know what they're talking about, and I know they really rock with real authentic people. And mm-hmm. if I can benefit from it, I'm going to buy it immediately. And that doesn't mean that I'm just like, I ain't spending thousands of dollars a month on stuff. But if the need, if that's need be, then I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to let them blessings flow into somebody else, whether it's $5, $10, $20, or if I need it, I'm going to let it flow because that I believe now in this in this culture right now, specifically for our creators, because every creative... And you could talk on it. Every creator that's pushing content is not a millionaire, right? Right. So they need like what you think. Oh man, he he probably don't even need that. Like no, I'm not even. It's not even about twenty dollars. It's more so me actively saying, "Yo, I believe in it, and mm-hmm. I can benefit from it." Not just I want to support. I hate people say I'm, I'm trying to support you. I'm like, no, no, don't support me. Support yourself by investing in me. 
Right. And, right. and when I got your book, when I'm reading right, it, right. and I'm gonna let you go on it, when I'm reading this thing, I'm like, yo, this is a blessing. Like, I didn't support, I didn't support his movement. He supported my movement by giving his words and his wisdom on this thing, man. So I just want to open in that and say thank you, brother. Man, absolutely, and thank you so much for practicing what you preach. I know, um, you know, that's one thing I've been trying to do myself. Also, is find ways to invest back into the community that I'm a part of. That's helped me to find my way. So I salute you for you know looking to do the same thing. It's, it's tough to make space to do it sometimes, but it's definitely important. So um, every show we have our guests come and they share either a quote or a mantra that they use and how they apply it to their everyday life, man. So take us away, man. What quote or mantra do you use, man? And how do you apply it to your everyday life? For sure. So I'm actually sitting in my room right now, which is also my office where I do most of my ideating and daily business. And I have this whiteboard that's next to my bed. And I've had a different quote there um, for years, just depending on what phase of my life I'm in. So right now, you know, I'm looking to see some new opportunities, looking to find a little more clarity and just be confident in myself. So I, I wrote my quote um, for this phase probably a few months back. And it pretty much just says, you have all the knowledge, resources and ideas required to accomplish some next level shit, but power plays take time. Be patient. Don't let a few no's deter you from getting what's yours. I love that, man. So let's let's stay in the essence because I'm all I'm always big about moments and taking us there. So take yeah. us through your last win and your last loss. Man, um, I think I would say my last loss um might be I've just been I've been navigating how to get more consistent as a freelance writer. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had just a lot of pitches kind of bounce back. So it's taken me longer to start publishing things than expected. So that might be a loss, but, you know, also a lesson. I picked up, you know, some knowledge about just how to pitch better and how to express myself in a way that's better certain publications, but it's definitely been a bit of a loss in that, you know, I've, I've invested a lot of time and haven't seen the return as of yet. Um, I would say that my biggest and most prominent win right now has just been getting this book out and um, seeing it sell well and seeing people actually react to it honestly and transparently and say, hey, I, I'm glad that I bought this and it helped me in, in this specific way. Um, that was the biggest goal that I had is to be able to actually release a book that is of value and helps people like myself who are going through certain things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to say two things before we just jump into the show show. Uh, one, man, like this moment of you releasing a project that, like I, I, I read the first, believe, first 30, a project that was just on the shelf for you for a little while and back and forth, for should I self up, should I do this, and you moving forward. Regardless of sales, regardless of everything, man, I know you already got it, but I just want to say from 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 black man to black man, yo, um, like just really appreciate this moment, man. Just uh, for yourself, like for real, like you growing up. Thank you, I, man. I don't know what vision you have for yourself growing up, but I'm not sure. Did you envision yourself like being a a curator for the culture like this and really being able to document some of some 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 imperfect thoughts and views on this and put it out and let have it received? Man, five-year-old Big Head McKay would be tripping if he saw me right now. But thank you so much, man. Yeah, for real. I'm going to try to take some time to actually, like, relax 
um, and enjoy, you know, what's happened after um, probably halfway through December when I actually have some downtime, but definitely appreciative. Hey, no doubt. And I got a whiteboard too. My jump's probably, I got a little small jump and mine's, and excuse my language, because y'all y'all probably never heard me say this word. I, I, I'm going to say it. And I'm not gonna go too deep on it because I, I don't want I don't want y'all to just lead podcast be like oh boy G you don't respect black people all this stuff don't don't take it <laughs> so a matter of fact I'm just gonna blur it. I'm gonna blank it out because just just for the PC people all right but it. it's a it's a J Cole verse it says I, I don't stun on people he don't say people I teach them how to do this stuff he don't say stuff mm. and I, for some reason that spoke to me so much and um, I think that's the ethos of being a concert creator but also being a vulnerable sharer. Is that mm. the intent is never, and I think sometimes in our culture, sometimes the intent is the stunt, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with stunting. I mean, and I think you you probably have some things you said in the book. There's nothing wrong with stunting every time, but I think my vision and my role in the culture, to be honest, is not to stunt. Like me personally, I and I used to get in problems, specifically with people that were in the influencer space. And this is to be honest, because they weren't operating how I was operating. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until the last couple of weeks that Greg, that is a that is a personal insecurity of yours, and that's an issue. Yeah, like everybody cannot operate the way you operate. What you need to put your focus on is in your lane. If you've been called not to stunt and show people how to do it, then that's what you do. But if somebody else is called to stunt, because guess this like this like when I used to look at Meek Mill and he had the rollie on from an outside perspective, you'd be like, yo, he need to be doing X, Y, and Z. But yo, in his in his in his where he's from. Maybe he's been called to be stunting with the Roly and the Mozzie because people that's in those predicaments or people that look up to him, they see that. And they, the same thing you're doing as far as showing them like the vulnerability, the same motivation people get from that, the same motivation is happening in a way with that, with that audience. But you're so busy like, yo, nah, that's not real. He need to be doing X, Y, and Z that you're not really focusing on G. Focus yeah. on just doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, every subculture, every group of people, you know, kind of stunts or flaunt success in different ways um, as part of, you know, just showing value and everything else. Definitely agree that it's important, you know, from my perspective, if you're going to be a content creator, if you're going to be, you know, a quote unquote influencer, just be active socially to also make sure you provide some kind of value, whether it's educational or, you know, just something more substantial. But I, I definitely feel you on that. It's kind of a complex topic. It is, man. So let's go back to before the book, before content creation, because honestly, I'm going to be real. A lot of, if I see a lot of people that are online, especially especially from a writer space, because when you're a writer, it's a little different than somebody, like you still speak, you're on panels, you're curating events, but writers, for the most part, you don't really see them. They're not really doing videos, right? They're not mm-hmm. as active. So a lot of these people that have amassed as loyal following people that like their work, they're kind of mm-hmm. like mystery men. Like, <laughs> like when I first reached out, and I'm gonna be real, uh, but I, when Chastity retweeted, I was like, "Yo," because I've seen you in spaces before. My homegirl Jay Gurley, she's been a huge fan, of, huge fan of you, and I'm I, I, anything Jay Gurley says to me is kind of like she likes Sade in my eyes, like it's just, <laughs> it's just boom. And I'm like, I tried to do some research, and I was like, "Okay, he's phenomenal deep writer," but I was like, "Yo, he curates events," and I'm like, I'm just trying to find like the, everybody. This it's like a mystery. And I'm just glad you get on this podcast to kind of share and be open and stuff like that. But break it down first before we even get into what you do in your career perspective and what you've been doing over the last eight years or or for your for your life. Take us back to Woodbridge, man. Oh, uh, man. Um, so 
I was pretty much raised in Woodbridge, um, and it's about an hour from D.C., very, you know, well-to-do, suburban, kind of boring community. Um, but yeah, that's where I grew up, um, military parents. I actually went to a military academy when I finished high school, um, didn't end up finishing there. But, you know, Woodbridge is what you'd expect from, uh, you know, stable, suburban, little community. Um, there wasn't much of an example when it came to creative expression or entrepreneurism. When I came up, it was like a lot of middle class black folks, a lot of respectability politics, a lot of the more traditional um, routes that I saw. But same time, it gave me a lot of different cultures. You know, I was fluent in Spanish. I'm still trying to get back to being fluent in Spanish, but I actually learned a good chunk of my education um, especially math and science and Spanish for the first five years of school. And um, you just meet a lot of different people because um, you have folks who, you know, are from Woodbridge and you have the folks who work for the Pentagon or a government contractor and, you know, their kids and the culture and energy that they bring. So pretty diverse, you know, but safe and sheltered little bubble. Mm. And was it just you or did you have siblings? A uh, little brother. He's about five years younger than me. Um, so it's just us two. Okay. And did you grow up with your mom and your dad in the same house? Or did you grow up with your mom and dad? Or was it like a grandpa yeah. situation? Um, mom and dad, same household. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky in that aspect. Got you. So you said, all right, high school. One, well, how long have you been writing? Uh, um, I've been writing consistently since 09 when I started Artistic Manifesto. But I was also the kid who was reading like voraciously, like from like second, first grade on. You know, I was spelling B champ a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, I also like I still remember this. You, you remember MS DOS computers like, like the blue screen? Yeah, 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 yeah. So back in that period. So when I was super young, um, I don't know why I remember this still, but I would like I would like write things and um, I would write like, a couple of sentences and I would go and like copy articles from online somewhere and paste them in the same document and say I'd written a book. You know what I'm saying? So little me knew some things about the future. Wow. that That's crazy. And you, while you were doing that, I was a guy doing, uh, I had the little CD-ROM boys with the uh, encyclopedia. And um, when we had a project in class, I would just copy and paste it and change the title. So that's just cool. <laughs> we were on two different tracks, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but um, with that being said, I, I want to ask a quick question. What what was your favorite book like growing up? Like, what was your favorite book or series growing up? Hmm. It's tough to even. I'm trying to remember, man. I feel old right now. <laughs> growing up was so long ago. Uh, I think that I was big into Goosebumps. My parents didn't want me to read it. And I read it anyways. Um, so like elementary school, big into Harry Potter. I love just the the storyline and everything else before the movies dropped. Um, those are the first that come to mind about childhood. And the crazy thing, the reason why I ask, we always ask about in adulthood, what are your favorite books? And people say deep stuff like Purpose Driven Life, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, or they go to James Baldwin. I'm like, yo, you getting real deep. But... <laughs> It's like my the children's books that I read, like I was a huge, I was a Harry Potter. I was reading Johnson two days, like boom. Yeah, yeah. But I got a lot. I think I learned. I became a freaking, I learned a lot of mature from those books, man. So yeah. like just from your childhood, whether it be anime or books, man, like what, what do you think 
I know there's a lot of things as an adult that shaped you, but were some things were some things in childhood that you can kind of say definitely that that shaped you to kind of who you are today? Um, off top, my parents. Um, you know, my father being military. My mom's actually she was military as well for a while. My dad retired in '98, um, so he had a you know a, a certain perspective and way of doing things that was very regimented and you know just just focused. And I think. Um, one of the earliest things I learned from him was just that, you know, life's about doing what you have to do sometimes to be where you want to be. So he taught me like that, that work ethic and that mentality uh, from a very early age. My mom taught me, you know, how to how to be around people, like how to, you know, engage and just make people feel feel welcome and feel at home. Um, she's been a church clerk for probably over 10 years now. So that was a big influence. Um I did Boy Scouts. I got my Eagle Scout and everything. And that just taught me, like, you know, how to get out there, like, literally in the field. <laughs> you know, how to be able to to figure things out and, and problem solve and deal with different types of people, you know, who maybe you wouldn't naturally be friends with, but you have to work together with for a very specific goal. Um, raised super heavily in the church, um, which allowed me to understand the need for a spiritual foundation, even when I wasn't quite mature enough to build it myself, you know? So now I'm, you know, I'm praying daily. I'm I'm talking to God um, and building that relationship. And it probably wouldn't have happened as quickly if not for being so accustomed to being in the church building, um, to being around my pastor, who's a really close family friend and all those different things. Um, That and um, I'd say one of the other things was running track. I ran that from seventh grade all the way through my freshman, my, my freshman year got cut. But um, that was the first thing that I like, you know, like I think, you know, little black kids, we want to we want to be good at sport. Right. Mm-hmm. I know I, it was like a, you know, one little extra thing to be good at. You don't want to just win spelling bees. You want to. Yeah. Or throw somebody or whatever else. So I ended up getting into track because I was naturally pretty good at it. Uh, got cut in sixth grade and um, started like training. And from there on out, I was like, you know, one of the best in my age group, you know, one of the best at the school, um, you know, all state um, was running at West Point for a little bit. And it just taught me it taught me confidence in myself. It taught me the power of like consistent action in this case training. Um, and it was one of the first spaces where I felt like I was truly an authentic leader in my space because of how I approached it, how I would treat people and how I got results. Mm. All right. So I'm going to do something different than I usually do. Cause you, most of my podcasts have a, a try to true formula. It just kind of, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, all, they're usually always great. But they mm-hmm. always, it's like a linear path. It's like, boom, high school to college with this. But I'm going to, nah, I'm going to get right to the sweet spots right here. Okay. Um, so I was thinking about this. This question, I don't know. It just popped in my head and my spirit told me to come here. Um, I want to talk about getting punched in the face, right? So instead of uh-huh. like failure, but like getting punched in your face, right? Yeah. So can you walk us through how you have been able to, over the last, so say in your life, right? How, how have you, how have you, what has changed in your ability, not in your ability, like what has changed in how you react to problems and issues? Like how's is it how has it grown over the years? Like when the obstacle comes or something that's challenging comes, 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, how has it morphed and changed through through just like through through growth in general? Like, how is it from where it was back in the past to kind of where is it today? Because I want to help somebody that's on this call right now or listening right now. It's like, all right, cool. I know these guys are both doing those stuff specifically. Specifically, Mikael in this space, he has a lot of knowledge. But right now, I'm getting beat up, and I don't want them to beat up. I want to kind of just see growth. So I want to ask you those questions so they can kind of see through it. For sure, for sure. And as somebody who has been both literally and metaphorically punched in the mouth, um, I definitely feel you. Um, I would say that some of the biggest metaphoric punches that I've endured have been, um, I got expelled from the first uh, college that I went to um, my last semester there, and then being threatened with being fired by my job after being there for about a year. Um and, you know, the, the first one being expelled is what pushed me to start to actually take my creativity and my ideas and my passion for music and writing seriously. Um, you know, if not for me getting thrown out, you know, on my ass and having to start over from scratch, I, I doubt that I would ever actually really be active on social media or pursue anything to do with writing or content creation. Um, so, you know, that was a blessing. How do you, I mean, same, if you mind asking, are you gonna you share? Like, what what happened if you if you can share? Oh man, how much time you have? <laughs> right, we, we got we going we still gonna close it out on time so you can get to your thing. But yeah, we got it. You, you yeah. got the floor. Um, long story short, I went to a military academy, uh, West Point U.S. Military Academy. Um, I wasn't happy there. Transparently, I was also coming to terms with the fact that I wasn't happy there, and um, as I had yet to find like really good outlets for that. I started to kind of act out and um, there are a lot of rules at West Point. I got in trouble for having a girl in my bed, which is a big offense at a military academy because they're preparing you for wartime. So they have some pretty strict regulations. Um, But I got caught with the girl in my bed and was accused of lying about it and ended up getting expelled. Um, So, you know, that was senior year of high school. Uh, senior year of college. Oh wow! So you almost you oh you went to the West Point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the, that's the West Point. <laughs> that's that's huge. So senior year of college expel. What did you do next? Like that's crazy. Uh, came back home. You know, had a couple of long talks with my parents. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can imagine. And, and you know, I was I was fortunate enough. They they supported me. Um, you know, I applied to UVA. I was there for a summer. And ended up finishing school at VCU. Um, so it was about a five and a half year process to finish school instead of a four and a half year process. But um, yeah, man, if not for that expulsion, um, I, I wouldn't have found my true passions. So I kind of used that, like when I reflected on that, I was like, man, like r- really, like if I hadn't like gone through this terrible thing, I, I would not be as fulfilled or happy or motivated as I am today. So I started to like really reevaluate the way that I I look at these, you know, the, these hits to the mouth, like metaphorically, you know, as, you know, opportunity, like when, when these terrible things happen, like, you know, how do you react? Cause that can define you in many instances. So, you know, I chose to get back up, um, to pursue some things that were more aligned with the man that I had become and take it from there. You know what I'm saying? So, I graduated about a year and a half after that. And um, my first job um, within probably about a year and a half before I started that job, I was a territory manager 
for a pretty prominent educational company. So I was a brand ambassador pretty much, you know, giving speeches, you know, shaking hands and selling test prep to wealthy school districts in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. So I um, I get called in for a meeting and pretty much I get threatened with, uh, you know, recommendation for me being fired if I don't meet certain sales goals. Um, mind you, I'm getting critiques on the sales in the overall region when I'm one man of an undermanned marketing team. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like snapped, but like in a polite way. And like that was what pushed me to start MikelCClark.com to pursue eventually influencer marketing and to launch my coaching services, which was really the essence of my first full year as an independent entrepreneur. So again, that was the second time that, you know, I got punched in the mouth. Some things that I didn't foresee happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find solace in the fact that if not for those incidences, it's quite possible that I wouldn't have been inspired to achieve this next level of that's brought me more happiness, more bags, and just forced me to come to become a better person, you know? So I, I'm starting to reinterpret like the difficult moments and the surprise roadblocks as more opportunities for growth and just like reemphasizing that over getting caught up in a pity party or being mad at individual people or being, you know, all boo who what was me, that's not going to do much for me, you know? So th those moments really helped me to realize what matters the most. Mm. You said a lot there. And I think one of the biggest thing I, I, I took out of it was those moments specifically force you, forced you to become a better person. Like, absolutely. Period. So if you think, and there's a lot of things, because we, there's a lot of reasons for obstacles. So let's uh, let's not be naive. However, I do believe that when you come from the mental perspective, like as soon as it happens, okay, this, I, hey, I'm forced to become better. I'm, I'm I got to become better for this. Like yeah. you, you take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, there. You know, some of the obstacles have been partially self-imposed or majority self-imposed. You know, but either way, whether it's you or somebody else. It's all about being able to react to what's happening in the present. You know, you can learn from the past, but you can't dwell on that or allow it to be, you know, a crutch or allow it to kill your belief in your ability to do better in the future. Mm. So that happens. They they act like, OK, boom, you're not meeting yourselves go. We all this fire talk. And you started MikaelCClark.com. And then you say you started coaching. So this question, because I know I get this question all the time. And I know people that's listening. They want this question probably answered as well. Mm -hmm. You got first started. You didn't have a huge base of people that like supporters or followers when you first started. Or like, like, how did that go about when you first started the consulting stuff? Like the coaching rather. Um, like, what was it like when you first started? Where'd you get your first couple clients at? And how were you able to deliver results? Did you have a framework? Like, what'd you get to what'd you get to get that framework? Like, what's the what's the goods on that? I um so to be fair, I did have a pretty large following um due to the hip hop blog that I've been running. So I quit my job in 2016. Mm -hmm. I started Artistic Manifesto in 09. And social media had been my vehicle to get my blog, you know, the traffic, the interviews, all those things. So I had a I had a fairly good following. And I'd already been getting questions, you know, like, oh, how'd you build, how'd you get this many Twitter followers? Like, you know, all those things. So I had a, I had a little head start. But um, mm -hmm. when I first got out, um, 
to be honest, man, I didn't have a super effective framework when I first started. I was trying a lot of different things, trying not to panic, trying not to regret quitting my stable source of income while living in Nova, which is a pretty expensive area. Um, so there was definitely a period of, of of panic and struggle and, you know, asking the parents for help, which, you know, kills grown men's pride sometimes. But um, I had to eventually develop the framework. So I started to kind of, you know, think, you know, first of all, how am I going to put myself in a place where people who already know me mm-hmm. and people are aware of and then are incentivized to purchase my services. So I already had the social media following. The next step was to start to develop coaching packages and study the science of sales pages to figure out, you know, what do people want to actually see? They want to see that, you know, one, you're a real person. You're not some person trying to pass themselves off as mm-hmm. Uh, they want to see the details of what you provide and they want a promise that actually makes them feel like the price point you said is worth it. So I had to, you know, get a lot of feedback and, and push through that to be able to start actually pulling in customers consistently. And um, it honestly didn't happen for a, a couple of months. So, you know, it took a lot of just iteration and testing and experimentation At the same time when I was, excuse me, when I was starting to launch the social media services, I was also um, getting into this agency called Shade. That was my first taste of influencer marketing. And, um, you know, it's it's a very, very unregulated and volatile field. (laughs) You know, some months where I'm getting three G's, there'll be some months where I, I owed somebody else money for some reason. I'm kidding. But <laughs> nah, like it was just a very kind of up and down thing. Um, I think that I really learned, you know, even more so that, you know, agencies and different groups of people and companies that are made to help creatives are incredible. But you're always going to be your best advocate. You're always going to be your own best salesman. You're always going to know what's best for you more than anybody else. So I had to also just keep learning that. It's important for me to continue pushing myself forward um, and, you know, whatever, whatever happens to them, that's a bonus, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. So um, what would you say now, currently in your mind space, what 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 is the definition of influencer to you? And do you call yourself? I know would you call yourself an influencer. Do you use that terminology for yourself? I did for a bit. I called myself an influencer just to help with SEO. Um, but honestly, I use influencer marketing as a vehicle to fuel kind of what I really want to do in the present. Um, you know, so I, you know, I align myself with different companies that I actually respect and can actually recommend, you know, without a guilty conscience and try to tell those stories in an authentic way. Um, And that's a big part of it, you know, authentic storytelling. I think my definition of an influencer is someone who is able to spark action, you know, whether it's to raise awareness and subsequently raise, uh, you know, action in regards to a certain cause to actually give people a valid reason they haven't thought of to to buy a specific product. Um, 
and then to inform people, you know, like you want to help people who are going through what you've struggled with. You want to be able to provide that value and that help. So I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty multifaceted thing. Um, I'm not a fan of using the word to describe what I actually do. I think it's more of, you know, one, one income stream that I have due to what I actually do, which is, you know, write and create content and study the game. Mm. So from a regular concept, some, for some, for people that have always been interested, like how do people like influencers get paid? Does a brand reach out to you and say, get like review this or like, how does it work from your context? You don't have to, we don't have to get in your business. I don't, I don't need to know amounts, but how does it kind of work? I know, Situation may be different, but how does that really work? A couple of different ways. Um, companies will reach out sometimes, and oftentimes it's based on a combination of the quality of your content, uh, your following, and your engagement, and you actually being a good fit for whatever their niche might be. You know, um, unfortunately, being somebody who's one e away from being the Michelle. I also get offers for like, you know, Mac lip gloss and it's just like, <laughs> do like a little bit of research, but you know what I'm saying? For the most part, it's people who, um, people who have a niche that can be seen. It could be a, a region. It could be, you know, a specific interest kind of get hit up for certain products. And, um, sometimes people offer, they offer checks, you know, some folks just offer product and depending on, what the check is, what the ask is, and, you know, what the benefits are, you know, I'll say yes or no. Um, but I think that if you want to sustain it and you want to like really get in the game, you got to be aggressive about actually reaching out, um, you know, having the media kit, having the quality content and, you know, coming with the original ideas that dictate, you know, like how you can actually help somebody. Mm, so instead I'll, of, okay, I'm listening. Oh, my fault. Um, I also think that influencer marketing is not new at all. Like, I think it's just called something different now and it serves a specific function. I also think that if you're going to build an audience, like it only makes sense to start to put out your own products, to express your views, to, you know, get into events, to like use the audience, the community that you're building in different ways outside of just trying to get companies to pay you, you know? Mm. So, all right, cool. Let's do some before because I, I got something interesting I want to do on this show uh, with your book real quick. But before I get there, if you had to give five, five or it, I don't, I'm not going to put a number on it, but I just say five. And I, it's crazy. I always say that I'm not going to do something. I say it. <laughs> so if you had to put a number or say a couple of things for those that are online and not trying and I, I, I don't want to prose this because I don't really believe in not just trying to increase their followers. I'm not on that. But mm-hmm. people that are really trying to allow others, I think right. I like this better, allow others to see the value in their work by leading, like becoming more influential in their space that they're already knowledgeable about. What would you tell them? Because like I know, because this is a huge disconnect I see at times. There's some people that are influencers and I respect them. Cool. But they may not know really a lot about like what their topic area, but they're great at branding and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's those that are phenomenal at what they do. That like you know, like imagine a, a professor about marketing. They get phenomenal about marketing. That's not the best example, but a, a, somebody that 
knows their craft and knows everything, but they're horrible at marketing branding and they just don't know what to do. So what 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 advice would you give some people that really have an expertise, but on the online space, they're just struggling on really how to show the world outside of their own circle that they have this expertise? Yeah, um, I think the first thing I would do is tell them to kill the ego. Um, I have, whether coached or spoken to a lot of people who um, will simultaneously be a bit dismissive of social media and say, oh, you know, well, I'm doing the real work when you can do real work on and offline. Um, so I, if you're going to enter in social media, remember that it's it's social first and foremost. You know, whatever you want to do outside of that, you want to advocate for a cause, you got to be able to just be social, you know, first and foremost and care about people, interact, engage, invest. You know, it takes time. Um, after that, I would just get really clear about the value that she'll provide to people. Like I always ask people, like, you know, if I didn't know you from anybody else in the world and I saw your page, I saw your posts, I saw your tweets, what would make me actually want to follow you? It's not so I can become an influencer. That's not it. It's never it. Um, so whether you help people, whether you inspire people, whether you make people laugh, whether you have valuable products, maybe you have a great podcast, you know, um, just be clear about the value that you provide and what the target audience is for that. Um, be honest about what your goals are. Um, everybody's not trying to raise a billion dollars to donate to, you know, in poverty worldwide. Um, I definitely recommend having, you know, some goals to help people, but be real about what your goals are for yourself. If you want to be on TV, if you want to get a book out, if you want to, you know, be a full-time content creator, like be real with yourself about whatever you want to do and prioritize that. Um, and also study, 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 study people both in and outside of your field. Um, I, I wrote this ebook a while back and one of the big things I talked about was that, you know, like if you could, if you wanted to be in business and you have the chance to hang out with, you know, a bunch of different Fortune 500 CEOs on an everyday basis, that'd be a no brainer choice. But we have people who want to excel at social media, which is largely a public facing platform. So you can go and look at, you know, the, the Gary V's or whoever, anybody who's winning in almost any field. And you can literally see what they do on social media by nature of the platforms. So you have all these opportunities to see what works on social media, what works on different platforms, what works in different industries, you know, what are some new trends that are happening? So if you're not studying that actively and applying it to what you're doing on social media, you're doing yourself a big disservice. Yeah, I'm just going to leave everything you said right there. <laughs> and also the last thing, oh, hire him as a coach. <laughs> like, get, like I'm, t I'm, and I'm serious in this. People laugh, but I'm telling you, guys, 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 if you don't know what you're doing, yo, just get a strategy session with people that know. Just one hour, because I'm telling you, real talk, I looked at your price, 97, you're probably oh, severely undercharging for kind of what you do, because I'm telling you, an hour or two 30-minute calls with somebody that can, you, because this is what happens. You share what you're currently doing, and they use their expert advice to kind of give you all tips, strategies, et cetera, on how to pop off what you already are doing. But this is what we do. 
instead of doing that, instead of just, okay, $100, ah, what? That, that's, that's a little bit of bread. We'll research right. everything they do, and that's cool. That's the first step, but there's a mythology on why they do it that way that we don't know. Yeah. And then we realize and we see no results. Like, why? I see he does the same post this way and I'm doing the same thing and it's not getting the results. No, just go to the source. If you can afford it and if you can't afford it, sell some stuff, sell some shoes, do whatever you can. Seriously, give some plasma. You, real talk, donate some plasma. <laughs> go, like, go to the source. And, I, and I'm, I'm really passionate about this because I wasted so much time and I'm glad the, the route I wanted to go, I needed to waste that time. I needed to be in these middle schools, high schools and stuff like that. But in the mm-hmm. speaking business, I probably could have been at my level or probably beyond this four years ago. Yeah, be absolutely. The talent, I, it's not about talent, but yeah, continue. Go ahead, go ahead. And yeah, I think a common theme of this this talk we've had so far different ways has been investing in people and experts. And yeah, I'll definitely say one of the best things that's happened to me this year is I've learned how to better work with people and give them enough of the pie, you know, like pay them, invest in them, give them equity, like put them on too, like that, that serves to help you also. Like it helps everybody. Um, so continuing to invest in people, whether through time or energy or knowledge or money, you know, all those things. And also too, I think you said something, it's crazy how the spirit works because I ain't gonna lie. And I tell people in my circle this, you said something about it and some people, other people said something like, I know, you do you know Rob Boyd? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's my the... Guy. Yeah, that's the homies, right? And mm-hmm. I was struggling last week with, I had a weird spirit about me because I'm one of those guys that I'm on social, more so link, LinkedIn, like Facebook groups at times. I mean, on Facebook, um, doing Facebook ads and Instagram every now and then, in this season. But I, I, I was, I felt like I was getting a little jaded because I would, like, I'm really in these streets. Like, I'm in mm-hmm. these streets. And at times, I over, not overvalue, but I was focused. I was like, well, people that's not in these streets, in my, in my offense, I was like, so why? I felt like they were leading the culture in a bad place. And, and But then I checked myself because I was like, yo, G, these are black people, though, G. Like, you mm-hmm. got you to gotta, you big up them. You can't be thinking about ways. If you see a post, oh, man, I know that dude. He's not, he not real, whatever. First of all, it's not, it's not for you to judge, but, G, you can't have that. Like, we, in this community right now, there's still, it's still relatively small. Let's, let's be real. This influencer market, the black influencer, we still is only quite, a, a, there's not that many. Mm-hmm. If people are doing something, you have to find the love to support it. And that doesn't mean you were buying it, but in the mental energy of you trying to find every single way of to knock it down, that's something's wrong with that. And Rob dropped some 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 coins, a lot of he fed my spirit that day, and I'm I'm glad mm-hmm. we had that relationship. But I think you said something unique. When you kill the ego, you're not on. Well, I'm a professor, and I'm teaching people the real way of marketing. And these influencers, they're teaching the the they're trying to hack away to to a thousand followers. No, 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 you're not doing that because that's a space in as well. And it's it's social media for a reason. I I never dawned on me, bro, when you t- until you said it. It's social media for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. But I want to do something real quick. Um, and if you mind, I wanted to 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 share five uh. Five gems from your Keep 100 book, like five, read five of them. If Can I do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I want you to kind of share maybe the experience or kind of flesh out, flesh out a little bit of it mm-hmm. so the audience can kind of get there with you because um, I, I there's, there's so much to get from this book, but I always want to say, okay, what was your mindset? Like what situation caused you to think that and how did you grow over time, right? Right, right. So 
one the one thing I, I the one thing this is number nine for the book and a reminder it's going to be the link is going to be in the show notes. This is keep it one hundred right. It says you have more control over your life than you think. Mm-hmm. If you ever get tired of feeling like you know exactly how your day will go before it even starts? Sometimes a daily routine can start to feel like a trap. We get so comfortable with our habits that we let them steal our sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you're falling asleep at work. you probably being made into a meme. Circumstances mm-hmm. can be limited, but we can't let them become defense. Uh, def- Matter of fact, I'm going to read this, but if you got your book on, you can read it yourself. Like I'm like, I feel weird. I'm reading you a purchase of your book, but it's cool like this. Uh, Man, I feel like a VIP right now. You got yeah. it. <laughs> Maybe you want to change your whole life. Maybe you just want to switch it up a few small things. Either way, it's time to get started now. Right. So this one, a lot of this book is notes to self that became tweets to encourage others that became talking points for this book. Right. So it came from a real authentic place of like me navigating some things where I was prioritizing just being consistent for the sake of being consistent over doing what I actually wanted to do doing what would work, doing what made sense for how I was growing as a man, right? So there were times when I would get locked into, for example, running a hip-hop blog, Mm -hmm. uh, strictly being an influencer, um, you know, every different part of my life, even like certain gym routines, you know, just, you know, you have this set, you do chest one day, back the next day, but like, you know, I, I didn't have to stick to those things, you know, I could... I can change things whenever I want to. I can pivot. I can iterate. And it's smart to do that, right? Because, like, you know, the world is changing very quickly and I'm changing fairly quickly. I'm still growing. So I have every right, you know, when I need to, to change the things in my life that I have to change, you know, for the greater good, for my peace, for my happiness, for my success and for my growth. Mm, mm, mm. I think that's really because I know in my own life, I used to be, I used to wake up at 4.30 a.m. every morning and I still Ooh. wake up relatively early. Uh, but I realized that at 25th, like for two years, I did it every single morning. Mm-hmm. And then at 2016, I was trying to do it, but something wasn't right. Like it wasn't working as it, as it in the past. But then mm-hmm. I realized in that spirit, in that moment of my life, that's where I needed to be. I was in isolation. I was in Pennsylvania. I, I ran five miles every single morning at 4.30. That was it is. But as I, but then I didn't have an active social life, so I was going to bed at nine at nine ten p.m. anyways. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm in Durham and I'm involved in a lot of stuff, I'm going to bed much later, and I need I need rest and need sleep. And I used to beat myself up so bad, like yo, gee, you waking up at five thirty, you waking up at six, what are you doing? Like I would wake up depressed before I even started the day because I was like, yo, I hit the snooze. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture grind culture where it's like, yo, no, and that doesn't mean I'm not being consistent. That I'm not waking up at 4.30, but I never adjusted to what my life really was. I was hanging on the yep. routines in the past were successful. But when I changed and I still did the same routines, I was like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think we kind of get hammered. Um, we get this hammered into us that discipline, you know, consistency are requirements for being whatever. And that's true. But be consistent because it actually helps, not because, you know, it, it actually just sounds good in theory or it was helping you six months back. You know, I think it's something that many of us had to wrestle with at different times. All right. This next one is really deep and I'm just understanding this because I love a lot of people. Like if I, if I dap you up one time, you bought one book, you like a brother to me. That's how it was. Yeah. Like I'm always a supporter. Yeah. But 
I found myself going running into some issues because of this, but it reads, always treat your cosign like it means something. Mm-hmm. The world can be overwhelming. Too much to accomplish. Too much to think about. Too much to absorb. We have to pick and choose what things to devote time and attention to. We yeah. use our best judgment. That being said, if you're constantly making recommend- recommendations that don't pan out in our favor, why should we listen to you? Mm-hmm. Whenever you co-sign something, it should mean something. It shouldn't just be a mindless gesture. Your cosign is a precious resource, but is if overused, it will become a meaningless formality that bears no weight, not even to you. Be selective. Protect your cosign. Speak on it. Absolutely. Um, man, you got you to gotta narrate the whole audio book, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but nah, ever since I started my hip hop blog, you know, that was a, an intentional thing of mine. It's like, if I'm going to recommend something to people, I'm doing it for the people, not to boost the ego of whoever I'm recommending, not to get favors for the future, not to do anything but help the audience that I'm that I say I'm here to help or I'm here to provide value to or I'm here to entertain. You know, I think that um it's easy to want to, you know, help certain people or, you know, like I, I am rooting for everybody black. But at the same time, I have to be selective as somebody who, you know, has built a community of people around him, like I value their time. So I'm not going to recommend something that's subpar or mediocre just for the sake of doing it. I want to consistently be able to provide the best things that I can find in terms of thoughts and um, recommendations and playlists and all those things. Um, Selectivity is important. Hmm. So my question to that is now in this space you're in right now, right? Mm hmm. How can you still, and this is something I've worked on, but I want I want your perspective. How do you still help those that say you may not be able to co-sign right now, but you appreciate them asking and, and wanting to support? So how, how do you usually gauge that situation? Because I know, like I said, everybody like, oh, can you do this? You're like, ah, I can't do that. But mm-hmm. do you, is you feel like it's your, it's your responsibility to help redirect or what's your thoughts on that? I don't think it's a responsibility per se to redirect every single thing that comes to, you know, my IG DMs per se. People be sending a lot like mass DMs. I'm not going to lie. Like I respond to every DM that I get, (laughs) but I do, I do my best. Like if someone reaches out, um, you know, if I don't really want to respond to what they sent me to like offer some guidance, like, Hey, um, maybe this would help. Um, have you considered this person? They actually have more interest in these things. Have you looked into this? Maybe you could get your message out more, you know, by doing this. So I, I do try to help people, you know, when I can, um, if they like hit me up for something. It's just a matter of, you know, also we got to make, we all make snap choices. You know, if somebody random who I've never seen before in my life tweets me a mixtape and I'm, you know, at the gym, I'm probably not going to respond. But if somebody hits me and says like, oh, hey, I'd love to hear what you think, I'm going to try to, you know, to make time to give a quick response, you know, at the very least. Mm. And here's one thing uh, that I want to share with people that if you really do want to uh, you want to get quick advice for somebody that is that you admire in the craft, for you really, if you really want their feedback, mm-hmm. then try to couch it in a way that it's easy for them to respond. Mm-hmm. So it's not like 
say if I want to give a mixtape, maybe I just give I I take my time and, and create five 30 second snippets of it or one track like be specifically, like, hey, here is five, it's only gonna take two and a half minutes of your time. Please mm-hmm. listen to X, Y, and Z and and this is just off the top of the head. Reply five if it needs work. Four, three if boom, boom, boom. And like make it easy so that it's like, okay, this is a five-minute task. But when you say, it hey, review my whole mixtape and I never met you, that's, that could be an hour. That could be 30 minutes. Like, Right, right. Review my business plan. Can you give me advice on how to start blogging? Don't start. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Like, just give, okay, what if it's a one-page PDF for your business plan and be like, yo, um, can you give me two? Like, just think intuitively. The people that ask for your time, how can you make it as simple as possible? That person that probably gets a lot of stuff already to really mm. add value to it, make it simple for them. And I guarantee, for the most part, they'll help. Facts, facts. Yeah, empathy, I think, is a huge part of being able to build and maintain relationships. You know, don't be having me out here downloading the five gigabyte <laughs> mixtape, you know, to give you a full artist review if I haven't met you before in my life, you know? All right, I'm gonna I'm I'm close. I got two more, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on and uh, kind of hasten to our end. First, this one is really big, uh, specifically for people like in their early to mid. Because I don't want to say we're in mid career yet, because we only like you're 28, I'm 29. So mm-hmm. I, I know our parents would cringe if we said we're mid career. You'd be like, those dang millennials, <laughs> they all like you six years in talk about mid career. So please, you ain't seen <laughs> but this one's huge though. Don't sell yourself short. Mm-hmm. Humility is important. Recognizing that you have a lot to left to learn is admirable. It's indicative of someone who's still growing. You don't have to diminish your accomplishments in order to be humble. Let me repeat that to myself because I need the energy right now. You don't have to diminish your accomplishments in order to be humble. Mm-hmm. You don't have to discount the work you've done thus far to appease people who don't see value in your qualifications. Even if you're just starting a new career or creative endeavor, a proactive and diligent mentality is worth being proud of. Committing to actualizing your dreams is worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. The work is just beginning, but some people didn't make the choice to clock in. You did. Big facts. Big facts. Um, yeah, I think... Um there's a lot of people, myself included, who struggle with whether it's lack of confidence, whether it's a degree of imposter syndrome or just the um, the overthinking that comes with a lot of these things we choose for ourselves. It, it's important, you know, to one, give ourselves the credit that we deserve for what we have done thus far. And we don't have to wait for that big accomplishment to say, like, OK, I did that little thing, you know, whatever that little thing might have been. You know, it could be a minor task. Um, it, it helps. And it also fuels your motivation to keep to keep at it and to keep going. And um, you also got to like recognize that if you're not confident in your work, there is almost never a way you can tell somebody else to be confident in your work. You know, like you can't really you can't vouch for yourself if you're not actually inspired and confident about vouching for yourself you know it's kind of like oh well you know i guess then they kind of guess and nothing happens because you don't seem like you actually feel like you're up for what you're looking for what you're asking for i'm not even adding any of that right (laughs) so i got we got one more but for this one i'm gonna put you on the spot 
what was your biggest, what was the one that when you wrote the book, when you wrote the book, right? Mm-hmm. You had, what was the one you really struggled with the most writing that you really, in your head, you're like, man, mm, I don't, uh, like, what's the one you struggle with that in your head, you know, it's a struggle or something that's an affirmation to yourself, but you probably wouldn't want to let people know publicly like that is, eh, I'll probably say that. Uh, uh, maybe next book, maybe when I get farther along, because I, I noticed this is the this is how vulnerability works in society, unfortunately. And it, I, I understand to some degree. Mm-hmm. But you're more vulnerable the more successful you are. Mm-hmm. So when you're not success, when you're on that, when you're up and coming, some people, and it's not everybody, right? But some mm-hmm. people when they're up and coming, they just give a little a little snippets. But when they already made it, when they know that yo, even if people look at me a certain way, I've already made it, then it's like, oh, then we do the behind the scenes. And it's like, right, dang, right. you could have helped people along the way if you would have been behind the scene when we was doing coaching and we ain't had no clients. And I was like, dang, I got all these followers, no clients. Like, what's going on? Like, what, what was the behind the scenes <laughs> then? But now when you have a, a, a marketing funnel and all these things, now it's come join my, and, I, and I'm for the master classes. Don't get me wrong, because I have friends that on the master class tip and killing it. I'm for it. But it's just <laughs> always curious to me. And I get it from a business perspective, but I'm like, yo. Why not? Why not now? When you on the come up, get us a little taste. But I understand from Brandon perspective that it's not always a win. But yeah, show us. I mean, what's what's on your mind with that one? I think that one of the things that's been most difficult for me to internalize. Um, so the third one: if you fail, own it, come back stronger the next day. I would like come back stronger. You know, what I'm saying the next the next year. Um, Ooh, that's <laughs> the next me. six that's months. <laughs> you know, um, like there there are certain opportunities certain income streams, certain things that I'm pursuing still that, you know, I'll try to get into for a little bit. And, you know, if I hear a no, I might just kind of pull back entirely when I need to be more consistent with actually trying, hearing why I'm getting the no's and improving what I'm doing to make sure I get, you know, what I'm coming for in the first place. So, yeah, that's been a difficult thing. I think that, you know, I'll be I'll be real. Like there is there's a thin line between confidence and ego, right? Um, especially on social media fueled professions when you, you have to be confident in yourself. You have to have a unique voice. You have to believe in yourself to put out this content consistently, not to mention like actually getting photo shoots scheduled before you get your first check. Like you have to have <laughs> a degree of confidence to be out there off U Street doing poses with you know random DC people talking about hey what should we do who did it like what you what what, what? who is this guy and if yeah 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 I get it. <laughs> we had this one dude like yeah young boy I'm gonna show you how to pose um but <laughs> nah but I think that you have to have that degree of confidence but you can't let that become a crutch you can't like turn away from the nose just because you can get some more yeses on a different side that are less consequential um. So I, honestly, I'm still working through that myself, like being being more consistent about learning in regards to my weak areas, if they're in the way of me getting what I want to get or getting what I need to get. Um, so, yeah, just be more resilient, getting more no's, getting more, you know, no response, like not getting responses to emails, you know, all those things. I, I got to push through those things to be able to find what I'm trying to find. Wow. wow. I, I like that. Get getting 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 to the nose fast. Like get more nose. The more nose, that means you're just shooting shots. You're shooting shots. And 
I'm going to read that number three and I'm not, because you already closed it out, but I want to read it because there's something there. Uh, but also too, I want to share, when you said you thought about that, like in sequential, um, there's, it's crazy. There's things that in the past, like six months ago, I think, right? So I've spoken, I've spoken, God has allowed me like speak at Harvard, speak at, uh, of course, my alma mater, North Carolina and speak in the Bahamas, across the country, across the world. And it's been great, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a elementary school, no, I think it was a middle school or something. And I was trying to come um, and, and do a program there. Mm-hmm. And the principal said, mm, nah, because I, 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 he wasn't familiar with who I was. It was out of, out of state. But I was like, yo, I'm going to be in town. Let me go do that. And mm-hmm. it was like, eh, nah. And then they just never replied to my stuff. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. And then there was a corporate company because next year I'm breaking into the corporate space of doing some things, right? Mm-hmm. But I did my first initial pitch for a corporate company, and that would be that would times like ten what I would have got if I even if they even paid because it was on a free tip. This is for free too. This mm-hmm. is after after podcast million downloads after all this other stuff going to free mm-hmm. to a school. They would like eh nah. And there was a corporate company I pitched to, and unfortunately at the time they didn't have a spot, so I got to know from that too. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I'm sharing this is the other one. Like I said, I wanted to be in corporate, but I don't shoot. I, I I wasn't shooting a lot of corporate shots or pitching a lot of corporate companies. But mm-hmm. I got the same note from a a client that was going to pay ten times more. I got the same note for a client that was going to be free. Mm. So yep. I get it. Your mental. And the thing is, I have no problem talking to schools about my worth. But then, like the bigger opportunities, I act like those notes are different. Yeah. And yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm gonna really think to navigate mentally for sure. Yeah, yeah, especially to be real, you know, in the influencer space, in this not influencer space, but just in a space where you're entrepreneurship, entrepreneur in general, where checks are, it's, it's you can make the same amount at a nine to five being an entrepreneur, but it's just different when you have uh, eight hundred coming or uh, say mm, say fifteen hundred coming every week rather than one month you just get a check for six grand. For some reason, it's mentally mm-hmm. different. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So like have that check coming, you know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna jump into our uh we're gonna jump into our closing segment of the podcast. But I wanna read this and I want people to feel it. And it just goes on what you just said. This is number three out of keeping one hundred. This is what you can get from this book. I'm telling y'all. It's simple, it's plain, and it's 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 really it makes you meditate and reflect. If you fail it, own it, come back stronger the next day. My Wi-Fi is too slow. My dog peed on my computer, so I can't type anymore. I could start this project, but I got plans to watch every single episode of Bob's Burgers instead. These statements all have some degree of truth to them. They're also cop-outs, excuses. They're excellent for eliminating guilt, but terrible for facilitating the accomplishment of things that matter, such as making progress and leveling up. Sometimes we resort to excuses. The most productive, successful people avoid leaning on them as often as possible. Don't be, don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable. You have barriers to break. Well, that's 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 the other stuff, man. Before actually, before we get to the coaching round, I got one last question, man. When it's all said and done, how would you want to be remembered? Mm, cool ass black man with a fly haircut. Um, <laughs> honestly, man, I'm still kind of figuring that part out, like how I want to be remembered. It's kind of a, it's a weighty thing to think about. Um, 
I think first and foremost, um, as somebody who used his his failures as fuel and his story to help others, as somebody who positively impacted uh, the the culture he's a part of and the community around him, I, th- I think would be the um, the main goals. Love that man. So we in the rapid fire round. Five rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. Man, you ready to rock? Okay. Yes, sir. What's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Never received. Mm. Man, I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, best piece of advice that I've never received. That's like a hard question to answer rapid fire. Uh, it's kind of like, this is kind of like you just make up your own. You, It's like you make up your own quote. Yeah. Uh, that thing you've been putting off, just do that thing right now. Mm, say no more. Boom. If you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Mm, I would get up about an hour earlier and I would stop sitting in my car for about five minutes uh, in the months from October to March when it's cold. I would just get out the car and get it over with. <laughs> what is your favorite book or movie and why? Mm, favorite book? It's tough. Might be Freakonomics. Uh, it's a book that just kind of forced me to re-examine the way that I view the world and the way that people, you know, who are experts or whatever else interpret the world um, and pushed me to look a little bit deeper and find some answers for myself. Hmm. What is your biggest fear? Biggest fear? Um, biggest fear? Um, besides heights, which I'm just terrified of, might be that I end up... Um, hurting the community that I'm part of instead of helping it. Hmm. I know it's rapid fire, man, but if you could, if you, if you, if you, if you want, man, what, what, you, what, what you really mean by that? Uh, I think that we are all in need of checks. We need income. We have certain goals. We want to achieve certain things for ourselves, right? Like nobody is a thousand percent altruistic. Um, so it's like just wanting to make sure that I don't end up in a situation where I get so hyped for what I can accomplish, the buzz that I can build, the discussion that I can spark, the things that I can get that I end up sacrificing uh, my purpose. I, I sacrifice the benefit that I could have provided for easy check for an opportunity, you know, for something like that. That's not helping. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question before we end and before we close this out, if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Oh, man, I would clean house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would. I would clean house. So we have some talks about incarceration, I think, first and foremost, incarceration, um, taxes, all them things. Mm. Say less, man. Say less, say less, say less. So. As we close, um, we're done with that, Ralph. Thank you for them phenomenal answers. Yes, sir. As we close, this is the last question of every show. And everybody that comes on this show is a culture change agent in their own right, in their own space, in their mind. And this question is specifically towards that. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? I would make people more aware of the fact that there is no scarcity of opportunity for us, despite, you know, all the bullshit 
that we can all win, um, you know, despite all the things that are in our way. And I would see that manifest in, like we were saying before, more support for each other in different ways. I said one is real. Uh, and it's, I think that even for, especially I'll speak for myself, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, even for myself, I want, to, I want that to be playing in my head all the time. Yeah, because I, I feel like I am a selfless individual, but there are times it's like it's like you get in the survival mode. I think like Drake's Joe, you just get in Drake mode. Drake mode now is very like a vendetta, kind of like you're in your own lane and like bump everybody else a little bit. And mm-hmm. I gotta be careful not to get in that mode. Like I love survival, it's cool. I like the beat is real generally. Like, yo, it's just you in, it's like you're in a cave by yourself admiring your own artwork. That's cool. Right. But that ain't I, I don't think that's what, what what we be called to do in this culture. We really are called that everybody can be, can have a, a, the pies for everybody. So, mm-hmm. uh, man, I pre, hey, like I said, I, I forewarned it, I forecalled it. This was going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal show. A phenomenal <laughs> show, man. I appreciate you for giving us well over all your time, brother. Man, great. Thank you so much for, you know, leading the real conversation and, you know, sparking all these, um, these important points, man. Everybody doesn't have, you know, a lot of, good topics for podcasts, man. So I really appreciate you. Hey, no doubt, man. No doubt. I think that uh, it's just all about, yeah, just get ready and staying true to you, being moved by the spirit, man. And it all sparked from really me and this in this relationship, really just moving forward and really uh, supporting the work, support your work, man. And now I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what's coming, what, what comes next and, and what your growth will lead to. And, and, and I also know too, this is crazy. Even if I wouldn't have reached out to you and let you know I bought my book, about your book, um, your work, and it's for everybody out there, even people that don't necessarily t- at tweet you or Instagram DM you or send you an email, and don't ever lose faith or lose hope that your work isn't moving somebody. Man, thank you so much for that, man. I definitely, I definitely receive and appreciate that. No doubt, man. No doubt. No doubt. So for all our listeners, where can we find more information about you, your book, keep in contact? If you have a newsletter, like where can we find everything about Mikhail, man? Yeah, for sure. So I'm on pretty much every social media platform at Mikhail C. Clark. So M-I-C-H-E-L-L-C-C-L-A-R-K. I'm also at MikhailCClark.com. I do send out a newsletter every two weeks. Um, It's called the Let My People Glow Letter. And it um, it has some tips for how to get your your cause across the Internet a little more effectively. It has a little playlist that's carefully curated and, um, you know, some some things that I've been learning along the way. I write an article every two weeks as well, um, along with kind of highlighting just some cool forms of expression and creativity from our own community. Um, And that's all at MikkelCClark.com. And all that information will be on the show notes, man. So Minority Trailblazer Nation, family, you already know we come to the end of the podcast, man. And I need y'all to do two things. But before I tell y'all those two things, man, make sure if you haven't already, get excited. We coming to a city near you for the Minority Trailblazer Tour this summer, man. Charlotte, North Carolina, June 1st. Atlanta, Georgia, June 8th. D.C., June 15th. Detroit, June 22nd. Dallas, June 3rd, July 13th. Chicago, July 20th. San Francisco, July 27th. Brooklyn, August 3rd. New Orleans, August 10th. And Durham, Bull City, North Carolina. We coming home August 24th, man. I'm tired. I need to go to bed. It's 11:44. 
I'm done editing this video, man. Y'all pray for me on this flight to uh, Miami, man. If you in Miami, holla at me on Twitter, man. Show the boy some love. Let's link up. Let's flick up um, and do all that good stuff, man, man. I love y'all. Thank y'all for all the support. We out here got a whole network, a whole network coming. Monday through Friday got content coming, man. And it's all because of you, man. And God, first and foremost, but you, man, sharing this stuff. Even if you haven't bought a book, even if you haven't bought merchandise, even if you haven't did anything. I don't even, I mean, it's cool if you did already. <laughs> but if you haven't, man, it's all love, man. You've been riding. I want you to keep riding. If you're new to the show, you enjoyed the interview with MC Clark. Man, I got over 100 of these episodes, man. So go check us out, man. Become a follower. Become a fan, man. And we're going to show support and show love, man. So I love y'all. And like I said, man, I need y'all to do two things. One, make sure you share, leave a review, all that good stuff. And two, make sure you change in the freaking culture. Good night.